change of appearance as you came in to the worship center and the flooring. And, of course, there's, as is obvious, there's much more work to be done. Uh, but we appreciate so much the Building Grounds Committee and their work and uh, updating the appearance and improving uh, some of uh, what we work with and deal with. Uh, and so uh, thank you so much. And, you know, as you uh, go through renovations and updates, it's inevitable of different uh I guess unseen things will arise. I, my neighbor uh, decided to uh, put some concrete, uh, extra concrete, on his driveway. And I thought, well, that's great for him. Uh, and then I realized something bad happened when uh, the next day we had no TV, our Internet, our phone. Um, so evidently in the update, they had cut our line. And uh, with our service... Uh, I've found that if you do not quickly respond uh, to that service, it will be days before someone can come out. And it was days before someone can come out. And, and so it's interesting as we um, <laughs> go through periods now without TV, telephone, and Internet, what that effect is on our life. I, I feel like I'm camping and it's like primitive. <laughs> it's like, can we have water too? You know, it's, it's funny how that has changed our our way of living, what you get depended on. And it's not so much the, the TV or even the telephone anymore, but no internet, you know. And, uh, and, and so it's interesting to watch how the children, uh, you know, they're... You know, they want to watch something. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, and uh, it just kind of forced them into behaviors, uh, which was good. Uh, and, you know, and uh, and I often thought about how many times, you know, within that time period, I was kind of thinking, man, I kind of wish the internet was working. And uh, and so the dependence that we quickly grow uh, on those services, uh, internet especially, uh, and and how that has changed our life. And and so I just want to present something to you as we turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. What would it be like in your life if for whatever reason the Word of God was cut off from your house, from your place of residence? What if somehow that could happen? The Bibles were removed, any access to the Word of God. Would it create more difficulty than if we stop having internet? It's a question we might want to consider on this. Uh, I thought about that, and our neighbor also has a dog that chews up our newspaper on Sunday morning. I think, well, that's kind of a pain, especially if we have coupons on Sunday, you know. Uh, but is it more of a pain if the Bible and the Word of God could not be brought to you that day, would you notice? Would it frustrate you? Would it be just a mild inconvenience? Or would you notice? And that's the question I want us to think about this morning. And uh, I pray that as we go through this passage, that the answer will be resolved in your heart that it will be a major problem. If the Bible is not available to me daily uh, because of what you are convinced by, by the Holy Spirit, through the word of God as to the point of scripture. Uh, so 
2 Timothy, uh, we're going to look at verse 14 through 17, and, and, and notice the, the title of this uh, in your bulletin, that this is the manual for last days living. It's, remember the context here. Uh, Paul has just described in the beginning of this chapter, uh, this is the last days. This is what we will expect of behavior of people in the last days of professed believers. These who profess to follow Jesus Christ, they, they will be more lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, and then you just keep on. And, and it was depressing, wasn't it? As we looked at this last week, and, and, and so much so, I, I, I messed up uh, last week. I didn't even lost all track of time, and I didn't even get to the third point, which was the most important one. Um, but all that to say, God gives victory in the midst of this. And then Paul says, and here's, I want to give you a couple of threads, a couple of important points. If you want to survive last day's living, these are two valuable tools you must have in your life to survive spiritually, to grow in joy. And so let's go to verse 14. He begins the contrast. Verse 13 he says, evil people, imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. People are going to be self-delusional by lies. And they will carry out lies. In contrast, verse 14. And let's stand as we read this together. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 through 17. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. You may be seated. The first tool that every believer needs to survive the end times is a pattern of faithfulness. A pattern of faithfulness. The second tool that every believer will need in end times living is the Word of God. A pattern of faithfulness and the Word of God. Very simple, but you never outgrow those two things. I'm going to spend most of the time on the Word of God this morning, but he starts off with the pattern, verse 14. But as for you, continue what you've learned. And firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. It is partly a reference to what he said in verse 11 and 10, when he says, in contrast to these evil vices that will grow worse and worse, consider my pattern, Paul's pattern, how Timothy learned these things, his conduct, his aim, his teaching, his faith, his his uh, love, his patience, and steadfastness. And, and then in verse 14, 
And this 15, he makes a reference not just to Paul, but he's making now an allusion to his mother and to his grandmother. Remember 2 Timothy 1.5, we talked about this, uh, how and you, make, you can look at that and real see, see it real quick, that uh, th- this faith was passed on uh, from the mother Lewis and her mother Eunice. Uh, and so it was something that he was taught early in his life. We looked at this passage, in fact, in Mother's Day, uh, when we talked about how mothers are to prepare their children for suffering. And, and we see that this reference, this pattern of faithfulness taught by the mother and grandmother is very instrumental now in Timothy's life as he's looking at suffering for the gospel, even in the midst of the church suffering uh, for those who do not uh, believe and abide the teachings of, of Scripture. And so uh, he says, consider this, uh, continue in what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. There is to be a relationship that solidifies the lessons of the Word of God. Uh, this is an, an important part in your life. It, it's it's kind of like uh, you, you have to have someone that you pace yourself by. When I was at the beach uh, about a month ago with her with family, I decided that uh, you know one, one of these days I, I needed to go jogging. And so one morning I went out jogging because it just seems like what you ought to do uh, folks do that, and you think, well, let me enjoy this uh, and see the sunrise and all that kind of stuff. And you sweat. It's hot, you know. And and, you, and then you're about halfway through. You think, why am I doing this? I could be back on the couch. <laughs> you know, this is vacation. Uh, but anyway, you're doing that. And and uh, somewhere along the way, uh, there was this fellow that kind of came up alongside of me. He would look like he was probably at least ten years older than me, and and but he was going faster than me. And as I was thinking, as he's getting a little bit smaller uh, in front of me, uh, I'm thinking, you know, there's no good reason why I can't keep up with this guy. And so I decided to do that. And so for the last half, I just kind of stay right there. I'm not gaining on him. <laughs> but I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pace myself. Because what had happened is in the process of the first 15, 20 minutes, I had settled down into a comfortable pace. And the problem is, if you want to get better physically, you're not going to do it by being comfortable. And so here this guy comes on and shows me another pace. And I think, let me step away from what's comfortable, what's easy. Let me join in with this pace. I needed someone to help help me step it up, even especially in the last 10 minutes when you're getting really tired and worn out. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, in these last days, consider... The ones that God had put in your life to teach you faith, pace yourself with them. Let them be an inspiration. Let them be an encouragement. See how you pair up with them. And so it's important to know that we're not, one, we're not shaping our life so much by this person because it's between us and Christ. But when we see the faithfulness in other people, it is an encouragement. It is an inspiration. It is something to observe and to see how they apply in our life. And so that's what he's asking them to do. The content, the content of the Word of God is fleshed out in a person. Jesus is the Word of God. He said, uh, uh, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, and then the Word became flesh, John 1, 14. So Jesus is the Word of God. But, as the Spirit of God is working in our life today, the Word of God lives today through you. Through your actions. Through your attitudes. 
as you submit to the Word of God and live it, it allows people to see the Word of God. And people still need to see the Word of God, do they not? It's important. And you are the vessel. You're the one that does it. You may be someone who sets the pace for someone else in obedience to the Word of God. I remember... Different stages in my life. God has put people in my life to challenge me, to help me set the pace. Whether it was my own parents, my grandparents through uh, a good portion of my life. Uh, then later on, as I left home, uh, God put me along godly friends, godly roommates to help me set the pace of what it is to pursue after Christ. God has given me a godly wife uh, to help me to set the pace of what it means uh, to pursue after Christ. And, and God has put some of you in my life uh, to help me to pursue what it is to follow Christ. Do you understand that? You perform that, and you can perform that for someone else as well. As I think about this, and, and think about Lois and Eunice and how they were involved in Timothy, let me ask you this. Have you ever shared your testimony to your children or to your grandchildren? One of the things we did in small group last week is we learned how to share a testimony. And the challenge was find someone to share your testimony with. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't know who I'm going to share my testimony with. Start with your family. I, I've been thinking about that with my own uh, children with their grandparents. I know uh, how my parents came to know the Lord. But it dawned on me, my children may not know. How my parents came to know the Lord. And some of them I kind of want to hear again. Uh, and I've been thinking about it. Maybe I can set up a time for my parents. Uh, and for Julie's parents to say. Will you share with my children. How you came to know the Lord. Now is there any reason you can't do that. Now here's the question. Will you do it. Will you do it. You have a great opportunity. To do what this passage is saying. Will you do it? When? When will you do it? Will you in the next five days. Talk to your children or talk to your grandchildren. And set up a time for them to come over. For you to go over there. And say I want to tell you a story. I feel like this is something that you need to know. Will you do that for the next five days? Make the Word of God live through you. Share with your family how God is working. Okay? Has worked. And so when they think about Grandma and Granddad, or Mimi and Papa, or Uncle and Aunt, they don't just think about the things that you've done for them. They will associate the things you've done with them with your faith. They need that. They need to know why you are the way you are. So share with them. Let there be a pattern of faithfulness because, listen, as we have seen in the Word of God, your children, your grandchildren, are not living in the world you lived in. They will live in a world, in a society that is more anti-Christ than the one you grew up in. They need your testimony. Your faithfulness. It will be one of the tools that God can use, that God has instructed you to use to help build their faith. Will you do that? 
Okay, thank you. All right, I'm I'm talking to you. I'm not. All right, we we've left that. You know, I'm, this is not entertainment. Okay, uh, so do that, do that, and so that have that form of faithfulness in your children's life. And and if you don't have it, seek it. Maybe you need to talk to. If you have parents still alive, talk to them. Tell me how you came to know the Lord. How has God been working in your life? And so I'm just going to ask you to just do something very, very little right here. And that Timothy had the advantage of all on that. And Paul was counting on it. Paul was counting on it. And so we see that in, in verse 14. Continue what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it. It matters that they know you and that they hear you talk about the Lord and hear you read the word of God, hear you depend on God. They need someone to pace their life. So the student is inspired by the teacher. Character, your character, and that they know your character matters. You know, I, I think about it. Um, I like to know a little bit of the character of the person who may be operating on me or my family. <laughs> that, that, that matters. If you're a surgeon... Your character matters. If you're a salesman, a lawyer, a politician, I'm going to tell you, character does matter in that. But how much more if you're teaching, you're teaching children, are you teaching others, your family? They know you. They need to hear from you especially about God's word in your life. Now, and so, as we read verse 14, the Word of God tells us what matters is the teacher of the Scripture. And so, as we look at the Word of God, we've, we're leaving a little bit about the pattern of faithfulness uh, in, in someone's life. But as we read verse 14 and 15, the, the point of it is the teacher of the Scripture. The Word of God is a second tool, and, the, and you cannot really separate the Word of God from the teacher. The teacher, alright? You will either affirm and commend the Word of God, or you will discourage the Word of God. Unfortunately, there is a pattern of some bad teachers, and so consequently some people don't like reading the Word of God because they associate it with bad people or mean people. Okay? The teacher matters in this. So the teacher of the Scripture is, is someone that you are to pass on the Word of God. Uh, now, as we keep on reading this, uh, we'll go to verse 14 and 15. I want to talk about the age appropriateness of Scripture. A little bit of the teacher of the Scripture, but the age appropriate of scripture uh, verse 14 and 15 again it says continue what you've learned in verse 15 how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings from childhood and, and so uh, the idea is that this begins with infamacy beginning with them as a baby uh, usually uh, in the Jewish culture the, uh, the training started uh, the intense training started at, at age 5 uh, age five, just as a, a, a father of a five-year-old, I know by experience that when they get to the end of the fourth year and the beginning of the fifth year, there is a fertile mind for the stories of God. They are talking about God. They are thinking about God a good bit at the age of four and five, and they love to hear the stories. If you've got someone in that age group or coming up in the age group, spend as much as you can in those years teaching them uh, about God's Word. Um, 
One of the things that's amazing to us is that in our preschool, we have a preschool here. Many of you know weekday preschool. And there is people in the community that says we want to delegate our teaching, our parenting to you, Green Pines. Will you teach our children uh, from uh, two to three to four and some five uh, about reading, about basic information, but will you also teach them about the Lord? Now, they may not believe the Lord. But we tell them that's what we're going to do, and they agree to it. Uh, and so that's a great gift that we have to be able to do that. And so um, when we are, if you are ever involved in teaching in our church and children, you are not babysitting. You're not babysitting. Do not treat that as babysitting. You are teaching them. And if you're in babies, if, you, if they're just <laughs> infants, you're still, this is lesson. You're going to teach them the love of God. And the only way they recognize, and that is that you're faithful uh, to uh, compassionate care for that baby. That's the only way they can understand it, and, but do it. And understand you're serving the Lord as you do that. And so the age appropriateness of Scripture that begins early on, sing the songs, show the Bible uh, pictures. When they're four and five and they're in that age group, they can memorize Scripture. Make sure they do. Make sure they do. Right now, we're teaching some basic theology to Evan, and he doesn't understand it all, but he's memorizing it. You can do that. And then we'll go on. I, we had a, a time where some questions were coming up, and uh, and I think maybe Evan was bringing it up to uh, Papa, and uh, the question's like, uh, who is God? What is God? Uh how and why did God make us? And, and basic questions like that, you can teach these things to them even now. Uh, and so the thing is, here's, here's another thing. You never outgrow the stories. You never outgrow the stories in the Bible. One of the things I've been learning and, and, and trying to get some, some teaching and training on is the role of telling stories in church planning. Just telling the simple Bible story. We saw this firsthand with Jeremy and Tricia in this East Asia destination. Uh, there, there has been, uh, from eight years, uh, really no church uh, to now 300 plus some churches, and that's been a lot of prayer. God's working. But the primary tool in doing that was just telling Bible stories. Telling Bible stories. Sometimes we think, well, that's what I did when I was in third grade. Listen, you never outgrow hearing a Bible story, thinking about the Bible story, and, t and asking yourself, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about man? What does this tell me about sin? Who do I relate, relate with? And what is God telling me in this story that I need to adapt and adjust and obey? You do that, you will grow throughout your whole life. And you will never outgrow that. There's some things you never outgrow and you're never too young to, to learn. Eating, right? You're never too young to learn to eat. And are any of you too old to eat? I mean, you know, are you, are you going to stop practicing that? We don't stop practicing eating. And, and when we do stop practicing it, that's one of the sure signs that death is there. Eating. The word of God, you're never too young and you're never too old. And when you stop eating from the word of God, it's one of the sure signs of spiritual death in your life. 
Okay, so the age of preference is across the board. Continue in what you've learned. You never outgrow. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, go back to these things. Continue in what you've learned. And as we get to verse 15, we're going to look at the effect of Scripture. We looked at the age of preparedness of Scripture, the teacher of Scripture. Now, what's the effect of Scripture? And if you're going to eat the Word of God, if you're going to read the Word of God, you're going to study the Word of God, you're going to make it a part of your life, you better know the effect of it. I remember one time, first time I really uh, went to... Uh, a major trip, and this was a number of years ago, and they, they said, you're going to go to a place where there's malaria, you need to take medicine, um, and they prescribed larium to me. Uh, they don't do that much anymore for a good reason. Um, and I started taking larium, and next thing I know, I'm throwing up. And then I'm, I've, 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 I've got these crazy dreams. I mean, it's like going to the movies every time I go in and go to, uh, go to bed. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool until I got sick. And I started, why am I doing this? And said, oh, these are the effects of the medicine to keep you from getting sick. Like, I'm getting sick to keep me from getting sick. And, and somewhere along the way, I thought, okay, I'm going to risk it. And I'm just going to trust, trust the Lord in this. Uh, and so I, I went off. And it's just the effects of, you need to know the effects of what you're going to take. Do you want to go there? So what are the effects of Scripture? Well, verse 15 uh, you know, you've learned these from childhood. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The effect of Scripture is that it makes you wise for salvation. The effect of Scripture is that it leads you to faith in Jesus Christ. This is These are good effects. I want this. I desire this in my life. So wisdom is is the ability to see the the beauty of God's authority in your life and submitting to it, uh, to to live your life skillfully therein. And so it teaches us the fear of the Lord. It prepares our heart as a plow will prepare the ground for the seed. And so we need the Word of God in our life because it helps me to, to... Get away from sin, not just the penalty of sin, but the very power of sin in my life. When I deal with the sin in my life, uh, be it pride in any of its forms, uh, I can go to the Word of God, and the Word of God is instructive to me, to help me to say, this is how I'm going to walk away from this sin in my life, how it does not have to have effect in my life, and so I keep on going to it. It is amazing. When I am struggling in life and struggling in sin, I can go to the Word of God and it speaks to me. It gives me principles to apply, characteristics of God to help me to hold on to, to give me hope, to give me power to say, you know what, I don't have to do this sin anymore. I've got new things to hold on to and I find them in the Word of God. So, uh, we see that it's through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. My need for a Savior becomes apparent, obvious as the read of God. The futility of my own effort becomes understood. We read the Old Testament, and we learn that Jesus is the subject of the Old Testament. Some of you and your Sunday school classes are doing the Gospel Project. That's a great curriculum because it's, it's pointing to how Jesus is in the Old Testament and, and all throughout Scripture. And so it's, it's a good curriculum to, to bring that out. And it's, it's there all throughout. And so this is the effect. It makes me wise for salvation. Why do we want to teach our children, our grandchildren... Because we're going to pray that God's going to use it as His tool to save them. Not just maybe some point where they have a prayer of decision to follow the Lord, but throughout their life, they go back to God for His saving 
grace in their life. When they are in the point of persecution that they have been learned and they've been taught by habit to go to the word of God to see what it says. Now, we keep on reading verse uh, 16. We've seen the effect of scripture, how it can do this in our life. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, uh, for correction, for training and righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The origin of Scripture. He says, this is why it's able to make you wise for salvation. This is why you need to hold on to it. This is why you need to learn from childhood and all throughout. You never leave this because it's breathed out by God. The origin of the Scripture. This is not made up. This is given to us by God. God breathed. Is the idea of inspiration. So here's an understanding. When we were at that uh, that beach, um, one of the evenings I went out and I saw this this sport. I've, I've seen it on TV. I've heard about it. I've been interested in it. But this this fellow was um, tied to a massive kite, <laughs> and he had uh, a surfboard strapped to his feet. I'd seen this before. It's called kiteboarding, and it's just amazing. It's this huge kite, and it'll just carry him on. And uh, he'll, it was amazing how fast he went. He was going as fast as a boat. And he'd hit these waves and it would launch him up in the air. And with that, the wind would then carry him. And so these, these massive height that he was going up in, into the air uh, and landing down. And, and just in, in just a few moments time, I, I watched him and, and, and he went miles down the beach toward the pier. And I often thought, man, how's he going to get back? I mean, he's, just, he's going where the wind will carry him. I, I, I hadn't, I'm kind of curious about that because he was a long way from where he started. But this is the idea of what it means to be carried by God, to, to, to go where God is leading. And so when a person is writing, was, when the authors were writing 2 Timothy and John and, and, and Genesis and all the, the books of the Bible, the, the idea is that they were inspired by God, that they were breathed out, carried out by the Spirit of God to write what God wanted written. Now, not just, not just in a dictation form, because it was done through their personalities. But the truths revealed were truths by God. So as I, I read that, and Scripture is saying this, Paul is talking about the Old Testament. That was what was regarded as, as what they looked at as the, the source of, of truth for them. But Jesus himself uh, referred to his own statements as words of truth that he was going to be led by the Spirit of, of the Lord. Uh, and, and so we see that in, in various places in John 14.10 that he speaks of that which the Father tells him. Uh, that John 16.3 he says that the Spirit of God will guide them in all truth. Uh, what would happen after Jesus leaves. Uh, we see that uh, 1 Corinthians 2.13 uh, that the apostles were, were taught by the Spirit of God. Uh, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 21. In fact, it might be worth just turning there for a second and see what Second Peter one twenty one says. Peter is talking about this. And in this passage, a couple places I want to point out in Second Peter. He says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but man spoke it from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
So he's saying this is a work that God is doing. Interesting, in his own time, Peter refers to Paul and the writings of Paul. And he says something uh, fairly interesting in the next chapter over 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 15, we'll start there. He says, count the patience of our Lord of salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, which he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. We all can understand that. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Now, when he uses that title, the other scriptures, it was a reference referring to holy writings. Peter, as a contemporary of Paul, is saying that what Paul wrote is of the same worth and value as the Old Testament. They're regarded as scriptures, holy writings. And so we have these statements given throughout, referring to the Old Testament, referring to Jesus, referring to the disciples and what they were right, the apostles, as holy writings. Here's what you need to understand. What you have is God revealing Himself to you, His thoughts, His characteristics, His truths, His promises, translated for you in English. Do you understand how huge that is? Do you see this as God, God's writings to you? This is not just good thoughts. This is God's letter. I think sometimes in our familiarity with it, we may forget something very basic. This is God's word. Which is why it's so important that you do not settle for what people think. Don't go for men's opinion. What does God's word say? In regards to church, in regards to your family, in regards to your life individually, any moral issues. That, uh, there's someone um, this past week that was um, acquaintance through our preschool here. Um, I think she might be a, a Catholic. But she just put on Facebook this question uh, regarding homosexuality and her own reaction to uh, things the Pope had said. Um, and, and she was just asking this question. What do you think about homosexuality, the church? I don't want opinions. I just want scripture or facts. And I rejoiced. That she said that. I don't normally enter those things. All kinds of bad things happen. <laughs> when you enter such discussions online, email, bad things happen. So I generally just, I'm not going there. I can talk to you in person. Um, but when she laid those ground rules, I thought, okay, I'll enter in here. And so, you know, there's already been a list of Eight to ten people saying different things, you know. And, and, of course, someone's broken the rules. They're writing opinions. And I'm just like, I want to call them out on it. Um, 
And so I just wrote down, consider 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What does this say? And, And the question she was asking, is there a sin, is this sin worse than other sins? That's the question. And I encourage you, search the scriptures on that. Don't settle what people think. There's all kinds of errant views of what people think. Opinions are always limited. Go to what is the word of God. What does it say? And so I was able to just point out, well, here's 1 Corinthians 6. that talks about the consequences of, of sexual immorality is different from other sins. And just to bring that out and, and just... But I rejoice that someone is just saying, you know, I don't want opinions. What does the Word of God say? And listen, that's why it's important that you go somewhere and that if you're, if you're getting instruction, that you get the Word of God. That you can say, when someone's talking, okay, I can see where he's saying that. He's, he's getting that from, from 2 Timothy 3.16. That, that makes sense. He's explaining it. He's applying it. Don't go and seek instruction that's just opinion. Okay? You might hear a good thought from a preacher or some other leader. But if it's not tied to the word of God, it's just opinion. It's just opinion. Count it as that. So all scriptures breathed out by God. Count it as that. The origin of this is, is God. We need to know what God thinks. Here's, here, and just as a word of warning, it will be the word of God is counterculture to every culture. That's one of the things that speaks to me, lets me know, this isn't a product of a culture, because it's contrary. If I go to the Middle East, and I talk about the grace of God, I'm thinking, no, 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 it's all about the justice of God. That, that grace of God, that's not working. If I come to America, and I talk about the holiness of God, And I'm not talking about just the love. I'm talking about God is holy and that there is sin and there is justice and there is punishment. That's counterculture. Jesus is counterculture to every culture. Whether you're wealthy or poor, Jesus is going to be counter to that lifestyle. And so that's one of the ways I know it's not a product of of culture. It's of God. It's counterculture to everything. And I need it. I need it. And so... This is why we have sung what we just sung. This is, needs to be the air we breathe. I need the word of God. And why Jesus gives us warning, abide in me, abide in my words. Now we keep on reading here. What are the benefits? Verse 16, 17. Well, because it is the word of God, it's, it's going to be profitable for teaching. It's beneficial for teaching, reproof, correction. And training in righteousness. The reproof is where the word of God is going to reveal to me my sin. Here's something I've come to realize. As I've started praying for holiness in my life. It gives me reason to rejoice when sin is revealed. We don't like to have sin revealed. I mean we can think of many conversations much more enjoyable. Than having someone point out a sin in our life. But it is in the sin being revealed in our life that we can grow and become Christ-like. And if your main goal is to have maintain an image, then you will hate being rebuked. But if your goal is to be Christ-like, there will be a joy in rebuking. Not a happiness. I'm, not, I'm still not looking forward to it, all right? 
But there's a joy to say, God, thank you that you've opened up some doors to help me to see some sin. So the word of God does that. It provides that rebuke. The correction shows the right way. The right way. So the the rebuke shows what you're doing is wrong. The the correction is this is the right path to go. And then the training in righteousness is the discipline and the strength to continue down that path of the right way of Christ-likeness. The Word of God identifies it, instructs, and gives me strength throughout. And that's why we need it continuously. And so what, what is the end result? Verse 17. Well, that the man or person of God will be competent, equipped are furnished for every good work. Uh, I was looking at the, I went to the site uh, first week in the U.S. And, you know, we, we heard Sammy uh, Jew talk about that. So I went to that website and international students are starting to come. Uh, some of you may have uh, responded to that. And so I encourage you to go to that, that website, firstweekintheus.com. And, and one of the things is to, is to see uh, furniture needed and, and think, you know, okay, some people just need some basic, they need a chair. <laughs> they don't have a chair, you know. Uh, just to live life. And, and so it's the idea of uh, the Word of God will give you furnished, it gives you a thoroughly furnished life. Just like you might have a thoroughly furnished house, everything you need to live your life there. The Word of God is, is going to provide that for you to do every good work. It provides the instruction for us to do this. And so we seek it out. Romans 12 too says it's transforming us. The Word of God is transforming us. We're going to be equipped for action. You think about that. That's why, verse 17, equipped for every good work. The Word of God, apart from living it out, is incomplete. I never wanted incomplete in my test. That was bad. All right? Because there is so much to learn, Because it's God, we can be absorbed with the learning. But it must be balanced with the doing. What's the point of learning this if we're not obeying? And that's why I kind of push the issue. (laughs) Will you talk to your children, your grandchildren? And it wasn't enough for me just to have you look at me. I need to know that you are going to do it. I'm afraid that we have been trained that it is sufficient to sit here or to sit in a small group, to study, to be inspired, to maybe say amen, to be encouraged in some way. But we have been trained not to do it. So, for instance, if next week we come here on Sunday morning and I asked you, How many of you engaged your children, your family, and set up time to talk to them to share your testimony? And I asked you, raise your hand if you did. Some might be offended. Most will be shocked. And you might say, oh, pastor, I didn't really think you were going to do that. I didn't think you were serious about that. There... I, yeah, I know, but you weren't going to hold us accountable for that, were you? And and so, maybe at that point, one out of ten would raise their hand and say, "Yeah, I actually did that." And so I 
I said, well, how about we go back to Second Timothy and, and our text this morning will be chapter uh, 3, verse 14 through 17. Let me preach this again. <laughs> Some of you might get upset because you've heard all this before. You've, I share the same stories. Pastor, you're, you've already said that. And then I ask the question again. How many of you will share with your children and grandchildren? And we repeat the cycle and I ask you again and then you didn't do it. And then for the third week I said, well, today's text is going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. How many of you are going to share your testimony with your, your, your family? How many of you are going to read the Word of God? Uh, are you doing it? What if... What if preachers and teachers only progressed in the teaching after the people did it? How far would we go? <laughs> but what are we commanded to do? Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe... All the things that are taught. Do. Obedience. And so if I'm going to take that literally and say, well, okay. The progression of our spiritual maturity is not how many books of the Bible I've preached. But how much of what the Word of God is being taught that we are doing. And so, just notice... The man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The point of this is not just to have intellectual stimulation, emotional turning, imagination, but when it's said and done, I'm going to do something different based on the Word of God. So here's, here's the end. How do I know that what I share with you today is effective? How do I know the Spirit of God is going to work in this Word of God in your life? It's going to be two simple results. One, you're going to be a faithful pattern to those who come behind you, and you're going to share your testimony with them. Just like Eunice and Lewis did, Paul did. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to be in that camp. Second thing I know is that you, on your own, Read the Word of God. On your own, read the Word of God to see what God has to say to you and to obey. To simply say, how many of you read the Bible on your own this week daily? Simple. Simple, but we don't always do it, though. And I just want to present to you that what you have in the Word of God is of so much more value than the internet, the TV, the telephone, the newspaper. Some of you were in small group this week learned, or today, learned about how to get the Word of God in your life. You hear the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you study the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. And oftentimes, when that's taught, I can count on someone will say, I just 
can't do that. Some of you may have said that this morning. Some of you may have heard that this morning. I can't, I can't study, I cannot, memorizing is, is the key one. I cannot memorize the word of God. Okay. That excuse is valid only if there's nothing else you've ever memorized. <laughs> if you, if you've never memorized anything in your life, that valid, that's an excuse that's valid. But if I ask you what your phone number is, you better not know it. If you know what your address is, you better not know it. Okay? You say, well, but that's important. Yeah. But not as important as God's Word. I'm just saying, priority-wise, if we've ever memorized anything, then we have no excuse for not memorizing the Word of God because the Word of God is more important than anything. Simple. Studying. And here's how you study. You read it, but now you have paper and a pen or a pencil. And you're writing down things. Things that hit you as you read it. He said, well, I just can't do that. Okay, as long as you never studied anything else, that's valid. But the fact that you can read English might beg to differ, Spanish, whatever it might be. Meditate. Pastor, I don't, you don't know what my life is like. I am so busy from the time I wake up, from the time I go to sleep. I have got phone calls. I've got emails. I've got driving. I, I've, got, I've got a five-year, five-year-old holding on to my pant legs. I, I don't have time to meditate. Okay, here's what I'm going to say. That's, that excuse is valid as long as you've never worried in your life. Because you know what worrying is? It's meditating. Meditating on the bad things. All the bad possibilities that could possibly happen. You're just pondering them. Keeping you up at night. So if you've never worried, that excuse is valid. But if you have, then you've meditated on something. And I'm going to just say, maybe you should meditate on the truth of what God is saying instead of what you're telling yourself. Hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, so that the Word of God can be firmly held with all your fingers in your life, and then the last thing is applying right there in your palm, that you do it. Because what's the point of doing all that if you're not doing it? And you will be better able to do the Word of God if you are hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God. Does this make sense? Well, with that being said, I'm going to pray that we will all be equipped to do the good works that God has us to do this week by having the Word of God in our life and being a pattern of faithfulness to someone else. Share a testimony.